Please open your Bibles with me once again to the book of the Psalms. This morning, we'll be looking at Psalm 54. Now, notice the latter part of the title notes for Psalm 54. At the very top, it says there in the notes, A Psalm of David, when the Ziphims came and said to Saul, Doth not David hide himself with us? This refers to when Psalm 54 was written, when they told King Saul about David's hiding place. Now they had betrayed David twice, and twice David had come to flee to the wilderness of Sif in a wood, where it was peaceful and he could find rest from fleeing from Saul. Now David did nothing to these so-called friends. Yet because they desired favor with King Saul, those wicked men told Saul where David was, betraying an innocent man. You see, David was innocent. He didn't do anything to these people, and yet they betrayed him to die. Now this is sin nature. This wicked, betraying spirit, this sin nature, is seen in the smallest of children, is it not? Children love to betray one another. I mean, just for attention, and maybe this has happened to you, one of them will come up and say, hey, you know what this one did? Or, hey, you know what so-and-so said? Well, that's what children do. They just rat each other out. And why is that? Well, it's because they want the feeling of lifting themselves up and putting others down, like that Pharisee of old. Remember what he said? He said, and this is recorded by Luke, he stood and prayed with himself, God, I thank thee that I am not as other men are. And you hear how he begins to rat out other men, saying, God, that one's an extortioner. Uh, that other one's unjust. Look over, over there, God. Look at those adulterers. Look over here at this publican. You see, by nature the nature we're all born with, we want to be elevated above others. And my friend, this nature is in all of us. And is that not true of our Lord's betrayal? Is that not a picture of our Lord's betrayal by Judas Iscariot? The blessed anointed King of God came and dwelt among men, being an innocent man, worthy of only praise, and Judas betrayed him. The scripture says how that our Lord went about doing good and healing all that were oppressed of the devil. Imagine that. I mean, just think for a moment, if a man came to New Canny and he went to the hospitals and healed all of the sick, what would anyone have against such a man? Our Lord came into the world as a man to fulfill the scriptures, and that with one glorious purpose to glorify His heavenly Father by saving His covenant people from all their sins. Beloved, that was His purpose. That was His mission. Indeed, that was the commandment He received of our heavenly Father. Our Lord declares, I am the good shepherd. I know my sheep and am known of mine. As a father knoweth me, even so know I the Father, and I lay down my life for the sheep. And other sheep I have, which are not of this fold, them also I must bring, and they shall hear my voice, and there shall be one fold and one shepherd. 
Therefore doth my Father love me, because I lay down my life that I might take it again. No man taketh it from me, but I lay it down of myself. I have power to lay it down, and I have power to take it again. This commandment have I received of my Father. Well, how do we know his mission was accomplished? How do we know he did what the Father commanded? Paul writes, Beloved, he was delivered for our offenses, and he was raised again for our justification. So you see, in order to save his people, he must first go to the cross. He must first cry out in suffering anguish, and that sacrifice must be accepted of the Father. Remember, the Lord told his disciples that he would be betrayed. He said, Behold, we go up to Jerusalem, and the Son of Man shall be betrayed unto the chief priests and unto the scribes, and they shall condemn him to death. After two days is the feast of the Passover, and the Son of Man is betrayed to be crucified. You see, before the world began, God purposed to redeem elect people for himself. In the eternal counsel of the Godhead, between the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, God purposed that the Lord Jesus Christ would be betrayed and die for our sins. And he even purposed the price of his betrayal, 30 pieces of silver. And we read about that prophecy there in the book of Zechariah. You see, his betrayal was foretold there in chapter 11, verse 12. God's word declares, I said unto them, If ye think good, give me my price, and if not, forbear. So they weighed for my price 30 pieces of silver. Beloved, what is Christ worth? What is our Lord's price? It's infinite, beloved. But what did Judas think of our Lord? What did Judas think our Lord was worth? Just a paltry 30 pieces of silver. That's all the Son of God was worth to Judas Iscariot. Now, Judas was ordained of God to be the son of perdition. But our Lord said unto Judas, The Son of Man goeth as it is written of him, but woe unto that man by whom the Son of Man is betrayed. It had been good for that man if he had not been born. Glory to God, who has ordained all things after the counsel of his own perfect will. Though the Judases of this world esteem him not, to you who believe, the Son of Man, the Son of God, is worthy of infinite glory, is he not? Beloved, you and I are just worms, just maggots, just worms and maggots before God. Now, have you ever caught yourself being pretty happy with yourself? You know, I can be pretty proud of myself when I say something and actually do it. But my friend, that's nothing to glory in. What do I mean? Well, look with me at the first psalm, Psalm 1, and look what it says there in the latter part of verse 3. It says there, Whatsoever he doeth shall prosper. Whatsoever he doeth shall prosper. My friend, that's not speaking about you. And though I occasionally do something I can be pretty pleased with, it most definitely does not describe us worms gathered here this morning. Can you say, whatsoever you do shall prosper? No, I didn't think so. Neither can I. 
Rather, this is talking about our never-failing God. You see, God determines all things and does all things out of the counsel of his own holy will. Even the wicked God uses for his own glory. And God used Judas Iscariot for his own glory. The scripture says, Surely the wrath of man shall praise thee. The remainder of wrath shalt thou restrain. In other words, when a man's wrath will praise him, he'll let that man have it. And when he when it won't, God will stop it. And so woe to that man who refuses to submit to God's holy king. You see, to refuse to bow, and bow to God's to, to to refuse to bow to God's son, God's king, is nothing less than a crime of treason against the Lord and his anointed. What a crime it is to refuse to believe on the Son of God. Is that not what Judas did? He refused to believe on the Son of God. He was there, he saw the miracles, he heard his words, and yet he refused to believe. And the Pharisees said, What is his value to you, Judas? And he replied, Thirty pieces of silver will do. He's not worth anything else. And he refused to believe. My friend, any man who hears the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ and does not believe, woe unto you. Woe unto you, my friend. Our Lord declares, if you believe not that I am, ye shall die in your sins. I came across an old archive video on the internet where Barbara Walters a Jewish unbelieving woman, as far as I know. Well, she interviewed George Burns, and she asked him if he missed Gracie, his long-departed wife of 38 years. Now, Gracie was an Irish Catholic, and so Barbara asked him, do you, wish, do, you, do you miss your wife very much? And George said, of course. And then Barbara asked, what would she think of your success today and this all-new movie career of yours? And George replied, Oh, I see Gracie once a month. I go down to Forest Lawn. I see her. I talk to her. She knows I'm doing well. Barbara asked, What do you say to her? George replied, Well, people think that she doesn't hear me, but it doesn't hurt. So I tell her, you know, if she can help me up there, I say, Don't talk to the head man. Talk to his son, because he's one of our boys. After which, sadly, both he Barbara and the crew laughed out loud. My friend, George Burns is not laughing now. Beloved, so what does our head man say? The one who must have the preeminence, the Lord of Lords and the King of Kings declares, Woe unto you that laugh now, for ye shall mourn and weep. My friend, this matter of sin and the Savior of our mess and our need of a mediator, of eternal death or eternal life is no laughing matter. Sadly, all men by nature think that the Lord Jesus Christ is someone lesser than the Father. Well, I'm here to tell you this morning, the Father and the Son are one. Remember what he said? I told you and you believe not. The works that I do in my Father's name they bear witness of me, but you believe not because ye are not of my sheep. As I said unto you, my sheep hear my voice, and I know them, 
and I and they follow me. And I give unto them eternal life, and they shall never perish. Neither shall any man pluck them out of my hand. My Father which gave them me is greater than all, and no man is able to pluck them out of my Father's hand. I and my Father are one. You see, my friend, that wicked enmity that is in every one of us by nature, sometimes it doesn't come out as a frown or a snarl. Sometimes it comes out as a laugh. But this is no laughing matter. This is no laughing matter. You see, if anyone in this building dies in their sins, you will hear his voice for all eternity. Woe unto you that laugh now, for ye shall mourn and weep. Woe unto you who have not believed on the Son of God. Why? Well, because you've betrayed him. You've turned your back on the Son of the living God. And the scripture says, Why do the heathen rage and the the people imagine a vain thing? The kings of the earth set themselves and the rulers take counsel together against his anointed, saying, Let us break their bands asunder and cast away their cords from us. He that sitteth in the heavens shall laugh. My pretending fool, you'll not have the last laugh. God will. And I beg you for Christ's sake, serve the Lord with fear and rejoice with trembling. Kiss the Son, lest he be angry and you perish from the way when his wrath is kindled but a little. Blessed are all they that put their trust in him. You see, any man who refuses to believe the gospel will perish. And so what is the gospel? Well, our Lord summed up the gospel like this. As Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, even so must the Son of Man be lifted up, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. You see, he was lifted up from the earth to draw all men, all his people, unto himself. This morning... I'm pointing you to my gospel, Jesus Christ, the Lord. And my friend, I want you to see him. I want you to know him. I want you to see Christ. I want you to behold the blessed person and finished saving work of the Lord Jesus Christ. You see, he's God's anointed righteous savior. And this perfect righteous savior was to bear the image of the serpent. Remarkable, is it not? You see, these Hebrews were being bit by these serpents. And you know, it really didn't matter if you were bit one time or a thousand times. The the result was always the same. Imminent death, as there was no cure. And so God said to Moses, Make a serpent of brass and put it on a pole, lift it up, and everyone who looks will live. My friend, this is the message of Christ. He who has made sin for us, who knew no sin, You see, he was made in the very image of the thing that was destroying us. God had laid on him the iniquity of us all. He bare our sins in his own body on the tree. And my friend, you and me both, all men are sinners. All of us are rebels and haters of the living God. And we've all been bitten by sin. It doesn't matter if you consider yourself a good sinner or a bad sinner. It doesn't matter if you've been bit once or a thousand times. You're still graveyard dead. But I love those two words we read in Ephesians there in chapter 2. But God. But God. If it had not been for those two words, beloved, I would have died in my sins. 
God's word declares in Ephesians chapter 2, verse 4, But God, who is rich in mercy, for his great love wherewith he loved us, even when we were dead in sins, hath quickened us together with Christ, by grace are ye saved. You see, our Heavenly Father sent his Son to be the remedy for sin, and when he laid on him the iniquity of us all, now, who is the the us? That's important, is it not? You know, some people think that the Lord Jesus Christ gave his life a ransom for everyone. He did not say that. He said the Son of Man came not to serve, not to be served, but to serve and to give his life a ransom for many. So who's the us? It's important to know, is it not? My friend, do you desire to know if your iniquity was laid on Christ? I mean, when he was on the tree, was he bearing your sins? You see, he was bearing the sins of God's elect. I understand that. He bore the sins of all those that God had chosen from before the foundation of the world. And I understand that as well. But how am I to know if I'm one of the elect? How am I to know if I'm his? Well, my friend, have you believed? You see, because every one of the elect will believe. They will trust Christ. And why is that? Because, beloved, he's already paid for our sins. For our Heavenly Father had laid on him the iniquity of us all. You see, there will not be one of God's elect that will be missing in glory. Not one. Again, why is that? Because, beloved, he paid it all. You see, not one of Christ's redeemed shall be lost in eternity but all will look to Christ and live. And so I beg you this morning, I beg you, please, if you don't hear anything else, please hear this. Look and live. Look to Christ and live. My friend, believe on the Son of God and He will heal your soul from all your sin. Look to His righteousness, for you don't have any. I don't have any. He alone is righteous. The days come, saith the Lord, that I will raise unto David a righteous branch, and a king shall reign and prosper, and shall execute judgment, justice, execute judgment and justice in the earth. My friend, the Lord has sent his sent a righteous branch, and his name is Jehovah Titzkanu, the Lord our righteousness. And so look to his righteousness, look to his blood. Don't look to your works, don't look to what you can do but rather ever look to his blood, look to what he did. He did it all. It is finished. His work is done. How will you not believe on him? How will you not trust him? Well, the reason a man will not believe and will not trust Christ is because of his own wicked sin and hatred for the Son of God. Sadly, some of you will not look it pains me to know that perhaps somebody in this building will die in their sins because they continue to look to their own flesh and works, still trying to heal themselves of the bite of sin rather than just looking to Christ and living. Sinner, take heed. Judas gave up Christ for 30 pieces of silver. What are you going to give him up for? What is he worth to you? I'll tell you, many sinners will repent but not savingly. You know, Judas repented, right? 
Scripture says Judas went and took those 30 pieces of silver and he went back to those Pharisees and he cast it at their feet and he said, I have betrayed innocent blood and he wept and went out and hung himself. Scripture says that he saw when he had forsaken the birthright, which was Christ, just like Esau, he betrayed Christ for a bowl of soup and the Scripture says he repented and sought it carefully with tears. You see, many people though they will start to feel guilty and they'll try to change their ways, they'll say, well, I'll just turn over a new leaf or I'll just start doing this and stop doing that. I'll become a good Christian. But unless you repent and believe, you'll hang yourself in your own self-righteousness and you'll die in your sins. You see, lost men may want to be free from the conscience of sin, but I tell you, they don't want to be free from sin. Any man who has been loosed to sin has never been freed from sin. Now, what do I mean by that? Well, any man who has been loosed to go out and to sin and feel comfortable in it because he's made some decision, because he's made some, some, some kind of reformation in his life by becoming faithful in certain things, and he stopped doing other things. And so he says to himself, everything's all right with me. I can just do what I want to now. That's right, my friend. You'll do exactly what you want to. If you're lost, you'll love your sin. And because you don't hate it, you'll not think twice about it. But beloved, if we've been loose from our sin, it's altogether different. We abhor ourselves. We hate our sins. And we love righteousness. Now, this psalm is truly the cry of David for being betrayed. You see, he was betrayed. My friend, have you ever been betrayed? Have you ever been turned over by someone that you consider to be your friend? Well, David considered these people his friends. And though he didn't do anything to them, yet they betrayed him. And truly, David cries out to God. He says here in Psalm 54, verse 1, Save me, O God, save me. David was in trouble. Save me, God. Saul is after me. Saul will kill me. So save me, O God. Deliver me. And truly, David was in great need of deliverance from Saul and these treacherous people, his so-called friends. Now, if we look at this book, if we look at these Psalms and we just see David, we're missing what the Holy Spirit intended. Beloved, these Psalms testify of Christ. You see, there's a greater and higher view in the Word of God. And so whenever you read something in the Scriptures, run to Christ. Indeed, fly as fast as you can and find Christ in the portion you're reading. Now, if you can't find him in the portion you're reading, move on to another portion, for there's no greater and higher view in the Scriptures than to see Christ in the text. And here, truly, we see the suffering of and, and the cry of Christ who was betrayed. He said, Save me, O God, by thy name, and judge me by thy strength. When our Lord Jesus Christ cried on the cross, bearing our sin, he cried in faith. He cried believing God to save him. Now, I marvel at this. Just to think of it, beloved, it baffles the mind to think that the Lord Jesus Christ was in such darkness, how that he was so immersed in our sins that our Heavenly Father forsook his own beloved Son. I'll tell you, there was a time when God first revealed my sin to me, and every time since then, each time he does, it just seems lower and lower. But the darkness that I felt, I felt like he had left me, like there was no hope for my soul, 
and I was about to be lowered into the depths of hell. Now, how much more infinite was Christ's darkness when our Heavenly Father forsook Him completely? You see, I'm a sinner by birth. I'm a sinner by choice. But God has never forsaken me. He's never left me. And so I can't imagine the darkness our Lord felt and the great agony He suffered. And yet, He still said, My God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? Why was he forsaken? The psalmist tells us, Because thou art holy, O thou that inhabitest the praises of Israel. My friend, no man is saved without faith in Christ. For without faith, it's impossible to please God. And yet, man is incapable of such faith. Therefore, faith must be produced. It must be obtained by another. And Christ is, and Christ in his greatest despair still believe God. Can we say that about our faith? Can you say that in your greatest despair that you've always believed God? Have we ever done that? No, we haven't, beloved. But praise God, He has. The Scripture says, No man can come to me except the Father which sent me draw him. You see, faith is impossible for us to have unless God gives it. And what faith does He give? Beloved, He gives us the faith of the Son of God, and then we believe. And so therefore, this cry of Christ was a cry of faith to God in order for us to have the fruit of the Spirit, that faith that He must accomplish. You see, we have failed to believe in God. Yet, beloved, behold our substitute. In our stead, He has believed God in our place perfectly. When the iniquity of us all was laid on Him, when he was made to feel our guilt as his own, he still cried, Save me, O God, save me. You see, when God delivered Christ and sustained Christ by his faith, he was sustaining me and him. And so why is it that believers never stop believing? Why is it that true believers will believe unto glory? Because, beloved, Christ believed unto glory, and his faith is my faith. For by grace ye are saved through faith, and that not of yourself, that faith is the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. My friend, the holy faith of Christ is the sovereign, free gift of God. And so praise God that he cried in faith. And secondly, Christ cried for the glory of God. In verse 1 he said, Save me, O God, by thy name. Do you realize that all things are for the glory of God? My friend, if we don't recognize that, we're going to live in a very sad place. All the time, we're always prone to think of everything revolving around ourselves. It's all about me, myself, and I. Oh, no, it's not, my friend. Everything is about, it's not about you. Rather, everything is about Him. And He does all of this for Himself, whatever it is. Whatever happens in time, God did it for himself. He said, Behold, I am God and there is none else. I kill and I make alive. I wound and I heal. You can tell a person has no idea who God is when they start asking questions like, Well, how can a good God let somebody, or how can a good God let any one of us suffer that? You see, God does all things for himself. As we read this past Wednesday in our study in Romans, for of him and through him and to him 
are all things to whom be glory forever. Do we or did we do all things for the glory of God? Have we done all things for the glory of God? No. We tried to rob God of His glory, just like our father Adam. We, by nature, tried to rob God of His glory. The natural man says, God, help me. God, save me. Help me in this matter of salvation. God, you do your part, and I'll do my part. God, you'll have something to glory in, and I'll have something to glory in. My friend, God doesn't save anybody like that. You see, my friend, we have failed to glorify God in all things. And God said, I will not share my glory with you. And so, my friend, God will not share in this matter of salvation. It is either all of him or you will be damned. You see, there's no middle ground. Either he will receive all the glory or you'll suffer for all eternity in hell trying to rob God of his glory. So the Lord Jesus Christ in great faith came to glorify the name of God. He said, Save me, O God, by thy name, for your own glory. Save me. Deliver me for your own glory. You see, God the Father elected a people for his own glory. Isn't that what it says in Ephesians chapter 1? How that he was accepted, how that he has accepted us in his beloved Son. And why is that? According to the praise of the glory of his grace. That's why. Not because we were special. Not because God saw anything in us. You see, there's not any difference between you and me. We're just sinners. You in the pew and me behind this pulpit, the both of us. And so the only one that made the difference was how that God made the difference. It was for God's glory that Christ died. It was for God's glory that the Holy Spirit called us. It was for God's glory he gave us his faith. And it's for God's glory he'll receive us again when he comes back to himself. He'll receive us in glory forever for his own name's sake. He said, I'm God. I've blotted out your sins for my own name's sake. I'm so thankful for that, beloved, aren't you? I'm so thankful because I'm not worthy of God doing anything for me. But he did it for his own name's sake. And believers in Christ stand constantly in need of forgiveness. My friend, do you stand in need of forgiveness? Do you stand in need of his mercy? Daily I stand in need. Indeed, every moment we stand in need of his mercy, beloved. And so how can we know we have it? Because Christ glorified God in his cry. He glorified God in his death. He said, For thy name's sake, O Lord, pardon mine iniquity, for it is great. How can this be? How can God be holy and just and still forgive me of my sins? All because Christ glorified God. Notice this again in the latter part of verse 1. Judge me by thy strength. Judge me by thy strength. Now, who would dare say that to God? Would any of us worms dare say that to God? God, judge me in the strength of your justice. Now, who would dare say that? Scripture says if God were to mark iniquity, who could stand? Who could stand against God? My friend, this could only be Christ saying this. Only Christ can say this to our Father. Judge me in the strength of your righteousness. Beloved, only the spotless Son of God could say that. And he endured our sin, suffering our sins, and he came out pure on the other side. 
and he ascended into the hill of the Lord. Who shall ascend into the hill of the Lord? He that hath clean hands and a pure heart. And so when Christ died for our sins and paid our debt and went into the grave, that's where our sins went. And when he came out, he left them there to be remembered no more. Beloved, our sins are paid because he cried for the justice of God. And then thirdly, Christ cried to God and was heard. Beloved, this is our comfort and joy, how that his cry was heard. I tell you, there's many a time I don't feel like my cries are heard. I cry to God, and sometimes he hides his faith from me. But I know this, my heavenly Father always hears me because he heard my Savior, his beloved, well-pleasing Son. Verse 2, Hear my prayer, O God. Give ear to the words of my mouth. For strangers are risen up against me, and oppressors seek after my soul. They have not set God before them. Believer in Christ, he cried and was heard. And because his blood was found perfect, he had access to God's ear. And in Christ, beloved, so do you. Beloved, if you ever need for anything, you have the ears of God to listen to you. You see, when nobody else will listen, he does. Believing sinner, he hears our cries. And that's only because of our Savior's cry of agony. And so as Christ was rejected and betrayed of the wicked men of this world, and so we should not expect much else from it ourselves. Indeed, I think we make ourselves miserable by expecting too much of this fallen world. The apostle tells us it's a world that lieth in wickedness. Sometimes we forget that, and we expect men to be sensible somehow and understand what's right. And when they don't, we're all in a tizzy and we get spun around. But, beloved, why would you expect this world to treat you any different than Christ than it does Christ? Beloved, when they treat you wrong, when they betray you, remember we have the ear of our Heavenly Father, and He'll hear our cries against them. And lastly, we see here the rejoicing of Christ in hope. Notice this in verse 4. He said, Behold, God is mine helper. The Lord is with them that uphold my soul. He shall reward evil unto mine enemies. Cut them off in thy truth. I will freely sacrifice unto thee. I will praise thy name, O Lord, for it is good. For he hath delivered me out of all my trouble, and mine eye hath seen his desire upon mine enemies. Now there's no doubt that the Lord despised the shame of the cross. To us, that would be natural. But that's not all. You see, he despised the shame of the cross, but for the joy that was set before him, he set his face like a flint to Calvary. And so why did he consider it a joy? Because he had you in view, beloved. You see, his joy for going to the cross was for you, sinner. He endured the cross for the joy to have you. I can't understand that. I mean, there's times when I don't want me. But I'm his joy, beloved. We're his joy. He suffered and endured all my sins so that I might have all his blessing. We read in the book of Revelation how there's no more separation between us and God. No more death, spiritual or physical. No more sorrow. No more crying. No more pain. No more curse. No more night. 
And why is that? Because of the joy that was set before him. It is the Father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. Beloved, have you meditated upon that? How that it's God's good pleasure to give you the kingdom? Our Lord shall declare on that day, Come ye, blessed of my Father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. He didn't say merit, beloved. He said inherit, undeservedly given to us by God's free grace. Beloved, his joy is our joy. His rejoicing is our rejoicing. God was his helper. God saved him. And God is our helper. And God will save us. He will deliver us from every trouble, every trial. He said, when you're in the fire, I'm there with you. You see, beloved, the water won't overflow you. Now, sometimes we feel like the water's about to drown us under. But we have his promise. God said he will sustain us. And beloved, that should be our rejoicing. And so as Christ freely offered himself as a sacrifice to God, should not we also? Has Christ not done great things for us, beloved? How is it then that we would not offer ourselves a sacrifice unto God daily? Paul said, I die daily. How free was Christ's sacrifice? What did it cost you? Nothing. Well, that's exactly how we're to sacrifice all things for him. Freely, gladly. It says in the book of Acts, how that after they heard they had betrayed and crucified the Son of God, they were pricked in the hearts. Pricked in their hearts. And Peter said, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the remission of sins. And ye shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost, for the promise is unto you and to your children, and to all that are far off, even as many as the Lord our God shall call. And with many other words did he testify and exhort, saying, Save yourselves from this untoward generation. Then they that gladly received his word were baptized. And the same day were there added unto them about 3,000 souls. Just a quick comment on the number there. You want to know exactly why there were 3,000 souls saved at that time? Because there was exactly 3,000 of God's elect people that God wanted to save at that time. <laughs> and if in New Canny, there's only three more or ten more of God's elect, they're going to be saved. What am I trying to say to you is this. God does not save anybody by accident. God saves his people on purpose. And if he has his people here, and I, tr I trust he does have his beloved people here, we're going to see that not only has he saved them, he's going to save them. And he saves them, beloved, not almost, <laughs> but to the uttermost. What has our Savior done for us? He was betrayed. He suffered the justice of God. He believed God in our stead. He accomplished righteousness for us, and he did it freely. Beloved, this morning, he forgives you freely. This morning, his grace is as fresh and new as it was in eternity. I'm still amazed that he loves me. That, that old hymn writer penned, I stand amazed in the presence of Jesus the Nazarene and how he could love me a sinner, condemned, unclean. Oh, how marvelous. Oh, how wonderful. 
My friend, trust on Christ, believe Christ, and we will receive all his joy. For he hath delivered me out of all trouble, and mine eye hath seen his desire upon my enemies. Amen.